0: to the Coffee and Conversation Podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. This podcast series provides a space for some fabulous people to share their stories and find a voice within our ever-changing world. It is a space that simply encourages sparky conversations, because there is most definitely always something to be learned from every interesting conversation, however unscripted. At its heart, this podcast is built on the belief that each of us experiences the world in our own unique way, meaning that we all have our own story to share, The Coffee and Conversation podcast aims to uncover a range of perhaps previously unheard stories in an informal, engaging way, so that we can all connect, explore, grow and learn from the great people behind these tales. Happy listening. On today's episode of the Coffee and Conversation podcast, I am joined by Lorna Brown, someone who describes herself on her Twitter profile as an ideas and chaos generator, soul soother, cheerleader and champion of the underdog. Lorna and I have come to know each other through the Creative Bravery Festival and have connected over campfire conversations, art and dialogue walking. In her professional life, Lorna wears a variety of hats as she combines her work as an artist, teacher, gardener and counsellor, an intriguing mix of roles that blend together to combine her interests and passions. In this conversation, we talk play, paradox and power as we ponder the idea of being invisible in an increasingly visible world. Welcome to this edition of Coffee and Conversation podcast. Um, today, my guest is Lorna Brown. So welcome, Lorna.
1: Thank you very much, Jane. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So Now, we'll just explain where we met, maybe, because that's how we usually start. Um, so Lorna and I have never met in person. We've only <laughs> ever met over a screen on Zoom or WhatsApp or whatever other technology Um you'd like to care to mention um, so yeah we met of the Creative Bravery Festival um, mm. and it's been yeah it's been great kind of meeting new people and discovering that you can actually meet people and develop connections even if you don't see people in person which I found quite weird in a strange way
1: yeah I think it calls into question what a friend is and um, I suppose in the olden days you would have had pen pals or maybe People you met through chat rooms. I do know other people who've spoken about that, and I suppose that's what they're talking about—that mm. you develop a friendship with someone who you've never really met.
0: Actually, yeah, pen pals. God, that's a blast from the past. Writing to people at school <laughs> in different yeah. countries and all sorts. Yeah, that is a so maybe it is. Maybe this is the virtual equivalent of pen pals.
1: I think it is. It's about when you when you're vulnerable and you. <laughs> you show some of yourself. You show your real you. <laughs> you stop being invisible.
0: Hey, there we go. Cool. Well, as ever, I'm sat drinking a coffee and I'm quite enjoying the fact that it's actually stopped raining for once. Um, so there is a little glimmer of sunlight coming through my window. It seems a bit more sunny in Edinburgh. Um, and as usual, I'm going to invite my guest to share a quote. Now, this has been a little challenging for you, seeing as I think you're surrounded by quotes. In your At your desk So what have you decided to go with?
1: Yeah, um, I'm not sure It's like having a menu out in the restaurant And you're like, right, it's not until the waiter gets there Or the waitress And you suddenly go, right, I'll have that But um, I've been playing with, all week I've been playing with the quote of play um, There's a guy called Stuart Brown Which is interesting Because my brother-in-law is called Stuart Brown And I can't really imagine him saying this But um, a different Stuart Brown, he's an MD and a researcher on play, and he said, the opposite of play is not work, it's depression. And that play is time spent without purpose. So that's one of my quotes, and that is on my left hand. And then on the other, just by my right hand, there is a Martin Luther King Jr. quote, that power is the ability to achieve, achieve purpose and affect change. So <laughs> there are these two things going on at the moment: power and play. <laughs> which you could think they were opposites, but I actually maybe they're not. Which brings me to the third quote that I cannot remember. Um, Was Carl Jung and paradox that you can learn more about uncertainty through paradox and clarity. But when I find that, I'll let you know.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Oh, some really interesting quotes to get our teeth stuck into in the next half hour or so around. Yeah, I love the idea of play. So play is definitely something that in the last few months I have rediscovered, I think. Um, And it's been, yeah, to an extent that I've now got a playground section on my website just because it's something I can do. So I love the idea of play.
1: I mean, I think that's something I'm instinctively drawn to as a teacher, as an artist, and as a psychotherapist. I know it. Play makes people feel better. But it was it was that quote. Whereas, like, actually, it stops you being depressed if you can just let go and and spend time without purpose. And we're in such a purpose driven culture. You know lists, qualifications, <laughs> there needs to be a reason why you're doing stuff. Um, that to spend time without purpose feels so self indulgent and so it's too, there's too much guilt associated with it. And people are like, oh, I don't have time. <laughs> but you don't actually need to do it for very long.
0: Mm. And it's interesting, isn't it, that playing without purpose. You know, sometimes we, sometimes the best, and what I think I've realised is sometimes some of the most interesting ideas come from not having a purpose and just going with whatever's in front of you, whether that be a conversation or, you know, I don't know, a walk. You know, not knowing where you're going and just wondering or doing something. And sometimes you kind of think, oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't planned that. But something's happened. Um, if you allow yourself to go with it, and maybe it's this, maybe there's something about us feeling the pressure to always be purposeful. I don't know. It's got me thinking.
1: Yeah, I, I think there is a huge preface, pressure to be purposeful. You know, we have lots of time-saving devices, and yet we have. We're, you'll hear everybody say. I don't have enough time <laughs> and it's like how can that be we have washing machines we have microwaves, we have freezers you know we have cars you know there is more time but we don't we maybe don't use it well and if you can spend five minutes without purpose you'll probably be far more effective I mean you notice it you go out for a walk at lunchtime and you can get a whole day's work done after lunch or go for a run? Well, is a a run time spent without purpose?
0: Well, that's a good question.
1: Maybe it's how you do a thing. So if you walk to work and you're just focused on my journey, actually, that's a really good point. I had a client who was so frustrated by her commute commute to work. She just couldn't stand it. It was just wasted time, wasted time. And I'm like, well, where do you go past? She goes, I don't know. I don't see anything. (laughs) That's like, well, could you try enjoying the journey? And she was like, no, what's the point? And it was really hard to ask the right questions to get her to look at that journey differently. And I mean, it was only a small part of her life, but it kind of was a symptomatic. It was a symptom of something bigger. Mm. And in the end, she started taking, I think, uh, some kind of... She started watching films on the way to work. And her work became sort of secret guilty pleasure time, the commute. And It wasn't quite what I had in mind. <laughs> but I was, you know, like I was, I was judging it by my things in some way, that you know, you should enjoy looking, but if that isn't your thing, then that wouldn't be the pleasure. But anyway, she managed to turn it into time spent without purpose because watching romantic comedies or whatever it was she did, there was no real purpose to that time, but just pleasure. Mm-hmm. And you know, she did it her way, which was exactly spot on.
0: Yeah.
1: But the transformation of that was that it felt like time wasn't wasted. It was time for her. And then that meant when she got to work, she was in a really good space. So if you end up going into work, feeling better, you're gonna work better.
0: Mm. So it's it's interesting what you talk about is often it's about reframing something. So it's the same thing mm. that you're doing, yeah. but actually how you approach it or how you choose to... Yeah, you know, the choices you make over what you do with that time is quite... I think that's quite interesting. And and sometimes it's about, um, you know, being aware of that in the first place because often we just get so sucked into habits and stuff that we do that it becomes really difficult to actually see it in any other way than that's just me getting to work.
1: Yeah. Or... Uh not even have to be going to work I think it's like in all situations it isn't until you meet somebody else who goes huh you you walk past this every day did you not see it and you're like no I didn't I don't know about you but during lockdown and actually right until now when we're in whatever we are in
0: <laughs> I just don't know what you call kind it. of a semi state of suspension maybe
1: yeah in this weird liminal time that we now live in I have started noticing things, and not so much in friends' houses now, but but I did, when we could go into friends' houses, I saw stuff. I'm like, hey, have you always had that bright orange lamp? And they were like, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, huh, I saw that. Or buildings beside, or there's more pleasure in the dog walk. So something has happened in the way I look at things. And I wonder if I have started walking and looking for the unexpected without purpose, this is not a purposeful dog walk. I am going out to breathe, to just take photos of things, to look. So I've started looking differently and maybe there's more pleasure in something that was a chore sometimes
0: mm. and it's it's interesting i'm just thinking of your third quote around uncertainty and paradox and you know like invisibility and those sorts of things and it's almost like as you're talking something's happened mm. to make what was invisible suddenly become visible
1: yes
0: and what is that thing that kind of prompts that because we sometimes you know whether it's you know we could be talking about anything you could be talking about everyday sexism everyday racism or just stuff that you don't notice or you know that you're that things that we become habit and you just do something without being aware or the fact that you've never noticed that your neighbor's got a flag in their garden or whatever it might be all these things they happen every day but sometimes something happens for you to go oh okay I've noticed that or that's interesting and so yeah that's just as you've been talking there that's kind of what's in my head around what is it that makes the invisible visible, or vice versa, maybe sometimes.
1: Yeah. Why? Well, you know, what turns the lens on things? So we had the George Floyd incident, and that created a huge, huge lens. Could you call it that? That murder that had a, such a ripple effect, and people started looking at their words at their actions, at their ancestors, at their history, at their friendships. And if you look at the Me Too movement, well, that had been going on for like 14, 15 years before it sort of came into the public eye. But the language I hear now is much more observant? Maybe because we've had to slow down, because we can't go where we're used to going, and because we've been told to look. We've we've been told to look. That's interesting. I don't think well, maybe there is an element of that actually. I think there is some people out there going, right, you need to do this. In fact, in fact, on social media, there is a lot of that. Um, I've heard a lot of impassioned, you need to do this. You need to re re-look at your your surroundings. And so maybe that has started to filter into the small minute, the the everyday, when you actually start looking at your your house your friends house your surroundings as well as your ethical philosophical philosophy well, there's,
0: there's a big word for what a day are we wednesday morning
1: yeah 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 uh, just totally going can't do yeah. it anyway that <laughs> philosophy yeah that's the word philosophy <laughs> so uh, and it kind of makes me wonder about the children who are growing up, you know, your nieces, my kids, well, yeah, it doesn't even have to be people related to us. You know, they're growing up in a time where media makes you very visible. You know, the social media make a mistake, not like when we were younger. And it is embarrassing. Maybe you, your friends and your family know you've done this thing. And now, you know, the whole world could know you've done something wrong, inverted commas. You've made a mistake, whatever. So there's a real lens on it. I mean, they are growing up in a a world where invisibility is almost impossible. And all the things that are invisible are also being scrutinised, you know, ethics, values, morals. We didn't really talk about that.
0: No, and as you're just talking there, it's interesting, you know, when I, I suppose if I cast my mind back many years to when I was younger, <laughs> you'd go you'd go to school, you'd see people, you'd come back and the moment you shut your front door and you went into, your, you know, your bedroom was this kind of like, you shut the, the, you know, you shut the door and that was your little world. And, you know, the only, the only way somebody could interrupt that was if somebody knocked on the door and went, can Jay come out to play? Or the phone rang and, you know, it was a landline, so you'd have to go. that 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 was the way now almost there isn't that space to be invisible now because if you're if you're a young person with a mobile phone people can get hold of you and there's something yes you could switch it off but actually how many what's the fear of missing out or the fear of not being you know is there a fear of being invisible and I don't know it's just yeah it's a really interesting question around where those whether you look at it physically or technologically or psychologically where are our spaces where we can really hide and and yet there are still things that perhaps because we don't talk about them are still invisible and haven't been acknowledged like for example things like you know privilege and how that impacts upon the world and the choices and the decisions and Mm. The things that we make So there are still some fundamental things Which are quite invisible And yet as people it, It's maybe becoming harder I don't know Ooh, lots! To, this is lot lots to think about
1: <laughs> Yeah it's just been bubbling my head It's not quite formed I mean if you think about privilege I think that is being discussed now I mean we're talking about Boris Johnson Went to Eton You know Privilege um, and yeah, at the same time, well, I suppose I actually let's throw in Mr. Trump. You know, <laughs> he's he's pretty privileged. I mean, these these individuals in some ways are really, really privileged. But and I've heard some really interesting discussions about that. But at the same time, I've also heard, well, you know, what the hell happened to these people? And actually, they're not emotionally As well adjusted you know they may have had financial privilege but they didn't have emotional privilege um and which i thought which is again that's also invisible but it becomes very very visible (laughs) as soon as you're in the spotlight of the public eye um and again we we are starting to talk about i think you, you can see it in schools emotions are talked about there's lots of programs there's lots more counselors in schools certainly in universities, you would never have talked about mental health when we were younger. Um, It was just, boys don't cry. You know, that that was it. And, and like, I don't think that was a saying for girls. You know, in fact, we were invisible. (laughs) It was just, just, boys don't cry kind of thing. And I, you know, that's changing now. It's, you know... Someone was talking about pink. Oh, that might have been a client. They were like, you know, I used to be really anti-pink. Um, and speaking as a girl, and um, she was like, I don't... I kind of, I was just like, it was too associated with the feminine. But I'm like, you know, pink is just a colour. Pink is just a colour. I, I actually really like pink. Some pinks are good. And... I think that there's just that. I think these things that are or were invisible are coming up. And with it, (laughs) if you start digging around and stuff, you're going to bring up good and bad. Um, And it's going to be really messy. (laughs) Do
0: you know, it's really, you know, there's, I suppose there's almost, and maybe there's, maybe there's a paradox in there somewhere. And I don't know if it's a paradox or just difference or you've almost got the, the, the two things. So it's this. As we navigate our way through the world, there are things that are kind of, we're unconscious of, they're invisible, we don't recognise them. Whether that be on a surf, you know, I don't mean surf, but, you know, whether it's physical stuff like, oh, I didn't notice that all the leaves have changed. I didn't notice you've got so-and-so in your house or there's that that sort of level. But then there's the invisible of, you know, the stuff that you don't see, what's going on behind closed doors or what's going on the undercurrent of whether it is race, sex, ages, anything, those sorts of things. Mm. So that's the invisible. And actually, it's a good thing. Often to encourage the invisible to become visible. On the other hand, you've got this challenge of everything being visible. So, in terms of you know the social media side of things and that almost that no place to hide world. So there's kind of this tension between the need for us to talk about things in order for us as a society to move forward and become more you know human. Maybe is a word. There's a need to make some things in. That are invisible visible but equally there's a challenge that we have in terms of how do we sometimes keep those things which are just ours or we need that space and actually we don't want to be we don't want the world to see that we've fallen over and made a total idiot of ourselves or whatever it might be you know that sort of thing and then what comes <coughs> with that is the challenges which I you know I certainly see online as an adult but also you know maybe for young people is the who do you choose to be in that you know what do you choose to make visible and and what are the bits and how you know how are we consciously and intelligently making decisions about actually I'm okay to share that bit but I'm not okay to share this bit and making those choices about you know what we keep visible and invisible so yeah lots I don't think I definitely don't have any answers but it's just interesting to ponder those things
1: I think there's a need to make this stuff visible. I mean, while it was hidden, it it can't be dealt with. You cannot deal with stuff shut in a box. You're gonna have to upend it and pour it out and I do have this with clients, um, with kids as well, actually. You, you, kids tend to do it physically. You work with kids in a the nursery, they pick stuff up, they empty the box out, and then you're like, oh, man, that box is filthy. I'm going to have to <laughs> clean the box. Oh, look at all those toys, they're in the wrong places. Um, and so you start, sort things out, and as you do that, you know, you you play with them. You Yeah, you get into the play as well. <laughs> and find new uses for them. And then there are some things you need to throw away. (laughs) And I think we can transfer that metaphor to the kind of what's happening in our world morally, I suppose. There were a lot of unethical stuff going on, but it was shut in boxes and no one had access to it. No one could guess at it while it was shut in these boxes of privilege, I guess. And as soon as the size of the boxes start falling down and you can see it, you know, well, there are some good things in there. And I mean, I think that's the difficulty, you know, do we need to push all the statues down? Do we need to, I don't know. I mean, actually, you know, some people probably do need to push the statues down, you know, if you're angry enough. you've got to get that anger out and you, it, it kind of is I guess it's like a dominoes it starts something and you know and maybe it opens more boxes but until those boxes are open you can't deal with it but then of course the thing is you, you equally and this is the problem that I think that we're having at the moment is people are trying to put the shit back in the boxes the boxes are broken the stuff is out and it no longer fits in the box you know like a sleeping bag yes <laughs>
0: I'm thinking a tent you can never get a tent back in the bag that it came in
1: yeah unless you're my husband yeah well there are some people who will do it It, it's very it takes a lot of skill I mean I sometimes think of it like spaghetti you know you (laughs) cook spaghetti and and, and it's not now once it's cooked it it would not fit back in the packet It, it, it could but it would be an extreme task to get that cooked spaghetti back in that packet and really there were probably better things you could do with your time and the spaghetti namely eat it <laughs> so i think that's it you know we're stuck with all the spaghetti all the toys or whatever you want you know they're all over the place there is a huge amount of mess and we're kind of left with that well now we have to deal with it and there are some people who are really trying to put it back in this broken box um and they're like, oh, well, it's okay. We'll put the box up. We'll put sellotape around it. And there are other people going, you know, no, it's all right. We'll build a new box. And And then there are other people going, but it really shouldn't have been in the box to begin with. In fact, you know, forget boxes. It's not the way to store this stuff. In fact, don't store this stuff. So. I like that of-
0: metaphor. I really like that metaphor because I'm thinking about all sorts of things. About management systems, organisations, societal structures, fa- yeah. family traditions. I'm thinking about you know cultural traditions, all of those sorts of things. You can kind of look at it and go, "Hmm, yeah," because often, and it's what we know and what we we feel comfortable with. So if we've grown yeah. up in a certain way, or a certain society, or a certain environment, or worked in a certain organisation. You get used to, well, this is how we do things around here. And actually it's really quite scary sometimes or challenging if you don't have the skills to be able to go, actually, I'm okay with this. And I think there was another word in your third quote about uncertainty. Yeah. And that's that kind I of, think you know. That's
1: it. Paradox is better for dealing with uncertainty than clarity. Um, I'm gonna have to find the quote, but I can't find the quote. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that can be a research task for the day but yeah there's yeah. definitely you know when things are not certain then and actually and maybe it links all of those quotes because like the play without purpose when we have a maybe when we have a purpose and a reason for doing something it feels clear and we know where we're going and we know what that box should look like but actually if there isn't that purpose or there isn't that frame around us of a safety of a box it's like oh I've never had to deal with this before. I don't know how. To, I don't know how to have that conversation with that person. I don't know how to, um, you know, what do I do with this toy that hasn't got home? Where do I put it?
1: Well, I think there. See, that sounds like fear, and I do think that that's the first place we go to. It's like, mm. ah, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit in the box. Shit. Yes, <laughs> or, or not shit if you're in primary school. Don't say that there. Um, But, you know, whatever is the small person's equivalent, I guess it's screaming and shouting. That's Mm. what they would do. It's like a tantrum. So you go through your fear stuff and then if no one, (laughs) you know, maybe you're soothed or comforted by somebody. But that really doesn't help because the stuff is still out of the box and you're still like, well, I don't know what to do with it. But that's when I think curiosity comes in. And so the second stage is like, oh, well. (laughs) okay I'm okay with the fact that it's out of the box I'm okay I don't know what to do with it I'm okay with the fact that I'm not quite sure what's happening and then you kind of get curious and you know you maybe sort of start moving with these ideas that are new or this physical object that's new and that's kind of what you see small children doing you know they pick sticks up and they they turn into a walking stick, a pencil, they start building things and it's it's kind of like what could I do with it rather than what is it for?
0: Mm, and I've got in my mind like the, the, the gifts that you give and the cardboard box is the most interesting thing in it and it's like what is it? Adults look at it and go, well, it? it's rubbish, it's a cardboard box. Kids are looking at it going, oh, it's my spaceship to the moon. Yeah. Or it's that's you know, that sort of... So I yeah, a,
1: that. yeah, I have a racing car downstairs at the moment. Um, <sighs> Brilliant. Car, it's been made, it actually looks like a Formula One racing car. And um, My son's 12 now, he'd be embarrassed possibly. <laughs> that <I> would, uh, <laughs> I've not named his name, it's fine. It's okay. Um, <clears throat> he... But, you know, there were all these boxes lying around and he probably wasn't <laughs> wasn't screen time. So uh, he had to entertain himself. And he's like, you know, he's sitting in a box, just being a clown, actually. And then he was like, actually, this is a bit like a, a racing car. And he started ripping things up and putting this together and, and made a pretty comprehensive cardboard box Formula One car. And... You know, he had a great time. And I think I have to admit to possibly joining in. (laughs) Yeah, that was crossing my mind. How could you resist? It was creating. (laughs) Well, yeah, and also out of rubbish, inverted commas. I mean, it would probably need to be recycled now. How about, I mean, when they were younger, I would have painted it and it would have been played with for weeks. I think we made a dragon. We were snowed in a few years ago and there were boxes and we made a, a giant dragon they could sit in, and uh, the the kids started feeding toys to the dragon and objects to the dragon. I was kind of horrified that they sacrificed their soft toys. I'm like, what? And they were like, You've got to feed the dragon. It's hungry. Brilliant,
0: brilliant. And I've just got uh, I've just got a conversation in my in in mind with a friend. We were talking about Lego, and it was this idea that you know they were saying, you know, now you know my my daughter can sit and just create something but I look at it and go where's the instructions to tell me what I need to build and it's that's it's almost like that's the sort of you know we we kind of as as adults we almost are ingrained into this this is whether it's a lego instruction or this is the process that you need to put in place rather than kind of just go yeah I love that what could it be rather than what's it for That's (laughs) you know it's that question what could we create how what 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 could this have what could this look like, and why does it have to be what we've always been told it has to be, and that set of yeah. instructions tells us that it is what it is?
1: I think that's it. There's a beauty in having the instructions and somewhere to go, and then going, hmm, I think I'm going to do that. I want to do something else." I, one of my children has an uncanny I don't know, that's maybe not the right word. They started taking apart the Lego figures. Now, this would never have occurred to me and in fact it actually horrifies me when I don't just mean swapping their hair and faces around I mean actually taking their arms off their little hands and I was like you, you, ah, ah, and um and I'm like why are you doing that and they just looked at me and went why not and I was like but but and I, I just wanted to say because you don't do that um but I did stop myself because I'm like well who said you don't do that it's not even in the instructions to not do that
0: <laughs> yeah and you know I've just got in my um so I'm thinking back to so we did a, a, an art session last week with leaves and I'm just yeah, yeah. kind of in my mind thinking about that in terms of like the process of like me collecting a bunch of leaves and and at the start like going right I just want red leaves and throwing away the like putting on what you said don't throw them away just put them on side they might you know and actually going through that sort of process of not knowing what I was going to create but then realising halfway that are those things that I was going to throw away actually I want to bring them back in and not only do I want to bring them back in I want to look for lots more different stuff because actually what I thought I was doing wasn't what I wanted to do and it was kind of that and actually it it took me a little while to get out of that sort of this is I must create something to just go with the flow yeah and that's quite an interesting. So that's just
1: come to mind. Yeah, I think that's about value and, again, visible and invisible. And I think I was trying to explain that in art therapy, that the throwaway or the cutaway or the bits that are discarded tell you so much as well. So I think I was trying to say, don't throw away the bits you want to throw away completely. Keep them in a place and you can have a look at what you discarded because there's interest Well, there's a story in that too. And in a way, that's kind of what has happened in society. You know, we've, the the things that we valued that we threw away have changed. Mm -hmm. We've kind of, we're realizing that those invisible things that we threw away, actually, they're the most important things. Well I think that's
0: what we're doing. Yeah and it's and I'm just thinking you know maybe it's you know we talked we started talking about you know you need that lens a lens change to see things differently and maybe that's almost what you know lockdown and the last few months have done is we were living in this world where there's a lot that we just did almost unconsciously maybe and what's happened in the last few months is it's kind of for, for want of a better word forced us to do things and look at things differently so we're kind of okay what is important what is that and you know there's that almost well actually it's important to get outside and do exercise it's important to go for a walk it's important you know human connection how many of us are missing actually that chance of coffee run you know coffee conversations and yes you can you know we've you know this is living proof that actually you can do it over technology and yet it's still not the same as sitting across a table with somebody having a coffee having a chat looking at what cakes are on offer that sort of thing and, and maybe it's maybe it's that sort of this is quite an extreme change of lens and making us look at things um, but I wonder what we can take from this experience and put into smaller areas of work life society life family life and kind of go okay well how can we look at this differently how can we see things in a different way that's my phone going (laughs) you can guarantee every time the last podcast I recorded somebody a delivery person came and knocked on the window and I was like sorry (laughs) so that was a phone call anyway
1: well I think I think the big changes can certainly create little same no it's not that the big changes create little changes it's that the big changes force us to change. Well, they, actually, they don't. I mean, some people, some people are trying to sell a that box and some people are making new boxes. But, you know, thank, thank God for the people who are just like, oh, fancy that. You know, you can actually live without a box. Look at that. We can use all this stuff differently. Um, and I think that for me is exciting. I mean, I'm a great one for re-re-remake, reuse, and I will often sell a tape up a box. But uh, equally, you have to accept at some point that the box has no purpose, and you need to move on. And those people who are doing things differently, I think they're the ones who are doing better. You know, mentally, physically, and possibly financially. You know, you can see the businesses who've gone. are a lot of businesses that have been around a long time and they have just closed there was no fight there was just a close and I'm like oh there's a kind of sadness in that but well, grief yeah but there are some quite new businesses who've gone what a time to start a new business but they've been so innovative about getting their product out there selling things in different ways having contact with people in different ways and that's been quite exciting so it's been a time of creativity and innovation I suppose those are people who've gone through the fear and some people are just stuck in the fear sell a tape in the box
0: <laughs> and that is what's going to stick with me from this conversation that idea of the box and I've got this image of yeah Actually, I'm sorry, Susanna, my sister. I've got this image of her, um, like house, her one, her, the, the children's play play uh, playroom after several children have been around playing, and just the fact that it's like toys everywhere, and it's kind of like right, what goes back? Um, but you know, eventually, it'll, you know, get tidied up, and every so often, I kind of so that's the image in my head, and actually thinking, okay, right, what now within this time of gr- like massive uncertainty? But actually, how can we be okay with kind of going, yeah, actually, I don't feel the pressure to tidy that box up and put stuff back, because maybe I just need to sift through and kind of go, oh, I'd forgotten about that toy. Let's have a play with that for a while. Um, and then put it on the shelf rather than the box.
1: It's, it's being able to sit with uncertainty, I think, really. And also the mess. The <laughs> it's being able to be uncomfortable. Okay, this is uncomfortable. I'm not really enjoying this, but I'm going to sit with that for now, because if I don't, fighting a losing battle almost—you can't keep trying to put stuff into back into the box. But well, yeah, actually, what am I saying? You totally can, but yeah. it's exhausting, and it's like not a good use of resources, you know. And plastic is made from plastic. Cellulite is made from plastic. That's not good.
0: No. That's why just th- I'm just thinking it's like endless it's kind of you are endless because like and almost the I've also got in my what's like that the tent and the sleeping bag you're just trying to stuff something in and every time you stuff one bit, another bit pops out and you just yeah. <laughs> the, the, the other image I'm going to keep in my head is trying to trying to put back a thing of cooked spaghetti into a packet because that <laughs> you're just like you wouldn't why would you
1: oh, but actually it's emotions we do that all the time we are always trying to stuff emotions back because they are not comfortable. <laughs> so we're like, you know, we sit in this, like, that's not that's not comfy. That feels painful. I'm embarrassed. I feel, I feel shame. I feel guilt. Uh, I feel really hurt. I feel really upset. And you're like, stop, squash all that spaghetti back in. Get in. And then that's not good because then it just pops out. Like you said, you know, it's going to pop out somewhere else. And uh, usually in a worse way if we're talking about emotions.
0: Yeah. And I've just got this image of cold spaghetti that sticks to it and it just goes hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah.
1: A, a pretty gross metaphor, but you know, it's yeah. Like it's, oh.
0: But no, it's quite powerful. And so, yeah. So that's, and isn't it interesting? Like we've gone from three quotes and kind of actually through conversation in a weird way, they've kind of all connected. And maybe that one, the second quote around power and purpose. Maybe it's actually the power is our own power over ourselves to determine our own destiny.
1: I don't know. Power is the ability to achieve purpose and affect change. Yeah, I think it's probably recognising our own power. And with the spaghetti, there's something really interesting. If you actually left it alone and laid it out straight, it would dry. And then you could get it back in the packet. <laughs> so it just gave it a bit of time, but that that's kind of works with the toys as well. Would they ever get back in the boxes? No. <laughs> I
0: don't know. It depends if you believe that they come alive at night and could find their own way back. And now we're edging into fantasy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no bad
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> so So, have you, before we before we close are there any final reflections on where our i I think it's been a rambling conversation with maybe not many answers but i definitely think there's some quite powerful things in there particularly the box metaphor and you know this need for us to maybe not shove stuff back in the box that's certainly what i'm taking from from the conversation but what about you what's your maybe final reflections
1: well i think we were very playful i don't think we necessarily had purpose a deliberate purpose in our in our chat. So we had we've we've spent a playful time without purpose <coughs> which should mean we should both feel better afterwards. <laughs> um, no I, I I don't think I'm any clearer. Except possibly that idea about recognizing your own power maybe. And the power in the pools the power in space to see what happens. Oh, Yeah, the power in
0: silence. (laughs) Indeed, the power of silence. So thank you very much for joining me for this uh, Coffee and Conversation podcast. And yeah, I look forward to the next conversation.
1: Thank you, Jane. Take care.
0: You have been listening to the Coffee and Conversation podcast the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. My thanks again to my guest, Lorna Brown, and also to you for listening.
1: Until the next time, take care.